0: To be with you. We are starting a brand new sermon series called Identified. Identified. And uh, I want to kind of give you a little bit of background of where this whole thing comes from, this idea of being identified. And so I'm not one, a preacher, you know, one to talk about the world, right? Like, so we're here, I can get my soapbox out, stand on it, yell, yell at people. I'm tall enough, I don't have to overcompensate with the soapbox. And so, uh, and you don't know, talk talking about street corner guys, get on it, yell at people. Like, I've just never been that type of, of pastor where you, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about people that aren't here, acting like, you know, sinners or lost people. Like when lost people act like lost people, you know, that, to me, that's, that makes sense. My problem is always when Christians act like the world. Like that's, you come to church, you should be different. Your life should be changing. It should look different. And so I'm always concerned with that. I want my church to be a reflection of the grace and the goodness of God, the power of God to change somebody's life forever. But I want you to know kind of where this whole idea came from. So you know we live in a world that is is changing. You, you know that. And there you, years ago, there was something called a fight for absolute truth. And so you don't even hear it anymore because it's been established that there is none and so when you don't have absolute truth you are left up to yourself the creation to define themselves and anytime you allow somebody to define themselves you end up in trouble and so you know if you live in our world there's you know we're called to identify ourselves now and like so I'll go to the doctor fill out things what do you identify as what's your what's your, your what, what gender are you what you know you pick what what what's your pronouns you you decide they them you know us what what are you and so uh what's your sexuality what's your age that's not here yet but i 'm just going to let you know i 'm not a prophet but i 'm just telling you if you can pick all those things you can pick your age i 'm twenty one i 'm just letting you know i 'm twenty one don 't judge me i 'm twenty one you know i 'm woke and so i 'm twenty one and uh, uh, you can pick your age uh, well, the reason i was uh, I was hit with this I already knew this was all this was going on i 'm not here to, to make to make fun of people but uh, i didn 't read this article that I thought was interesting, and so the article was about one woke person being attacked by other woken people, which I think is always the reaction in, in culture, like uh, and when you're moving the bar constantly and nobody knows where it ends. But this, this blogger named Oil London, I'm not sure if that's their, their real name or not, uh, but Oil London was from England and uh, was blogging and, you know, in the, in, the, in, the, in the article it talks about how, you know, he, his pronouns are, are they, and so every time it talks about him, it's talking about they in the article, and so I'm trying to keep up, but in, what the whole article was about is he had went through some kind of surgery where not only was he establishing who, what his identity was, his gender, his sexuality, his pronouns, but he had also decided through this surgery that no longer was he going to be English, he was now Korean. Which, whatever, uh, I guess you can decide that, but people were freaking out on him. And I just, I was just like, some of it was like, this is like the natural thing. And I'm kind of excited about it because the world is literally going to get so confused that they're going to end up back at church and you're going to be like, okay, we're back here. Could have been back here 30 years ago, but whatever. And so, uh, and that's kind of how it works. I can already see see that happening. But I started thinking about the implications of that in, in church because oftentimes because of the world we live in, we we tend to think like everybody else thinks, just the way that it is. You hang out with people, you think like them. So we tend to begin to bring that understanding of being able to identify and classify and say what you are, even into church. And so we started doing that with, 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 the, with religion in church. Like, I, I can tell everybody what I am. My life might not be any different, uh, but I go to church on Sunday. I have the the fish on my car. I got the sticker on my mug. I got the T-shirt. I, I'm a part of a home group. So obviously, what am I? I'm a Christian. And here's the problem. What I, when I read the Bible, what I noticed about Scripture is though the world likes to say what they are and that be set in stone, when it comes to Christians, others should see what you are. Do you see the difference? It's not a saying thing. I got to tell everybody I'm a Christian. I got to tell everybody what my religion is. I got to tell them with my, my car, and I got to tell them with this. Other people should see that your life is different. So this entire message series is really, really simple. If I was to ask you what are other people as a Christian identify you as, how have you been identified, what would they say? What would they say about your life? What would your neighbors say about you? Uh, it's caught me kept running, running around the house chasing my kid the other day. Uh, I yell a lot in the house. What would they say about you? What would what your co-worker say about you? What would they say? How do you handle when, when being overlooked? How, how graceful are you? Do you look like Jesus at work or do you act like everybody else? How about that person that rode with you in the car this, this last week? How would they identify you? How about your family? What would you be identified as? And Here's what's so interesting in the Bible, you would think that the term Christian was invented by Jesus. Anybody would think like, so Jesus started this religion. He was like, okay, we need a good name. We have this committee. We have these boxes. You put things in and we landed on calling ourselves Christians and Jesus voted on it, okayed it, hit the gavel on the thing and we're good. That's not even where the name came from. In fact, even the first church people, when Jesus started the church, they didn't call themselves Christians. That wasn't what they started. we like, okay, we need a catchy name everywhere we go. We're going to announce to people we are the Christian church. I want to show you something that's interesting. The very first people to call people Christians were not the people inside the church. Let, let me show you what I mean. Acts chapter 11. Uh, we're going to catch up in, in, this, in this book. I love this book. And the reason I love Acts is because Acts is the uh, actions of the apostles. That's literally what it means. And so Jesus comes, dies on the cross, comes back from the dead, Goes to heaven, gives his, his people, his, his church, some marching orders, and they move. And what happens in the book of Acts is what happens next. Here's, here's how the church spreads. Here's where they go. Here's where it's persecuted. Oh, yeah, God decides he's going to use a murderer to be the number one missionary. Like, I, I couldn't find anybody better for that. Like, this is this whole kind of, kind of situation playing out. I love the book of Acts. But by the 11th chapter of the book of Acts, the church had, had expanded. And so one of the things that Jesus says early on, go everywhere, tell everyone about me. How many of you know that Jesus asked you to do things that most of the time you're not comfortable with? How many of you know most of us, especially in America, we want a lighter version of what Jesus said? You want me to give 10%? I'm gonna get maybe like three, three percent, right? You want me to serve, you know, maybe I'm gonna come to church, maybe once a month, right? Like you want me to deal with sin? Like what sins should I deal with? Like can I get the lighter version of Christianity? How far can I go without crossing the line? This isn't a new problem, Church been doing this forever. That's why sometimes older, older folks would be like, we just need to get back to the church of Acts. And I'm like, no, we don't. That was the most jacked up church in the history of the world right like I'm not trying to get back there because I think we're improved but we can learn from them and one of the things they did is they loved comfort and so when Jesus said go everywhere and tell everyone about me they decided let's just stay local where we like the people we know the culture we can relate easy you know we know the language we can share Jesus and make it practical let's not go to the people that make us uncomfortable any other Christians like that this is how we get everywhere. Let me, let me stay home. Let me get in a bubble. Let me join a group. Let me, you know, instead of going Christians to play in the normal sports leagues, we'll have church leagues, right? And we'll just hang out with church people. They make us more comfortable, and they're not as good. And so, like, let's do it, Right? Well, we'll do that, right? And so like, let's, not, let's not be incarnational like Jesus was. I know Jesus came to the earth, but we're supposed to go to a building, right? That looks like Jesus. And so this is what the church did. And so what God did is God allowed persecution to break out so that they would go do what he called them to do because oftentimes, even when you push against God, God will figure out a way to get you to do what he wants you to do. So let's perse- persecution break out. A dude named Stephen gets stoned and the church scatters. We find out what happens in Acts chapter 11. He says, now those who have been scattered... By the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word among the Jews. So even though they leave Jerusalem, they still only going to talk to people they like. But the Bible says some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about Jesus. Some of them went to people outside of the church, right? Then the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the grace of God had done wonderful things. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord. The Bible describes him as a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people, because of the ministry of Barnabas, came, came to faith in the Lord. The Bible says, then Barnabas sent, went to Tarsus and got Saul. And he found him and brought him back to Antioch. So for a whole year, him and Saul, they met with the church and taught a great number of people. And I want you to know something interesting in the city of Antioch. By the way, the city of Antioch is like New York City. They once described it, theologian, as the world all in one place. So basically, if you could think of a nationality, a race, a religion, it was there, It's like New York City. The city would have been set up kind of in a circle with the wall around it. Very common to cities of that time. And the, the houses would have kind of been around the border of the, of the city. And then the central part of the city was the mall, the, 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 the town square, the, the, the marketplace, places where people would trade things. And so the city was very diverse and they had names. But one of the things that, that was interesting about the city is it was very segregated at that point. So you, you might have done business with different people, but at the end when you would go hang out and you would spend time, you would spend time with, with, with your people your Irish people, your Italian people. You would spend time with your your people, your Polish people. You know, kind of even like Phoenixville was set up a few, few, you know, 50, 60 years ago. You would spend time with your people. But then Barnabas shows up and begins to share about Jesus with Paul. And the Bible says people from all nationalities begin to become part of this movement. And did you notice what happened? It's not like Paul or Barnabas said, oh yeah, we're supposed to call ourselves something. Let's call ourselves Christians. Did you notice what it said? It said there for the very first time, they were referred to as Christians. What it's implying is the people in the city could not figure out a name for these people. They saw their actions. They saw how much they loved. They saw how they welcomed everybody into this group. They saw how they shared possessions because that's what happened in the beginning of the, of the work. They saw how they were all sacrificial and putting in their money to reach more people. And they said, man, this looks like Jesus. This doesn't look like anything we've ever seen before. And so we're gonna identify them as Christians? That's why the question is so significant. I'm not worried about what your friends call you. I'm not worried about how successful you are inside this church. I'm not worried about how impressive that I am or you are in here. What I'm thinking about is when I leave these four walls and I go back into my normal everyday life How are people able to identify me? What do they see in my life? When I treat them a certain way, what do they come away saying about who that I am because it's significant in your life? You see, the truth is, some of us don't get this, but there's three calls in every Christian's life. First call, salvation. You you, you know about that if you have a relationship with Jesus. He comes, he knocks at the door of your heart. He says, I want in, man, you're broke. Your life's a mess. You've, you've, You've tried every relationship you can try. Success, you're you're man, you're addicted. Let me come in and change your life. And all of us that are Christians at one point said, I'm doing a bad job of being the boss of my life. You can be the boss. And we let them in. That's salvation. The second call is consecration. This one's important, but a lot of people miss this one. And consecration is when you give the Holy Spirit permission to set you apart, to make you different. You, you should be different. But here's the thing about it: I didn't say you should be weird. Come on, you know, church people, we are experts in weird. (laughs) He he didn't didn't call you to make you weird. He's going to make you look different. Your life is going to be different than everybody else's. But he didn't call you to be weird. weird. That's the second call, uh, consecration. The third call is for you to become a witness. So God wants to do something in you. Then he wants to do something through you. And most people I know, Christians I know, they don't have any idea of how to become a good witness in their life. They don't have any idea why so many people see them and go, I don't want that. I'll pass. You go to church. You want to come to church with me? Absolutely not. Why? Because I've seen the way you talk to your coworker. Why would I go spend an hour in a weird building with a bunch of weird people when I get my fill of you, weirdo? hey, you want to come to my church? You go get waited on by somebody. You want to come to my church? And you give them a a, a card. And you're like, they're going to come. They're never going to come. Because that card you gave them has a little uh, dollar bill in the front of it, and they thought it was real money, but it wasn't. It was a track, and you didn't leave them a good tip. They're not going to come because they saw your your stingy lack of generosity in that moment. They're like, I don't want any part of, of that. Students going to school, you're like, you should serve Jesus. And other students are like, okay you're mean and weird and filled with drama you go to the pole to pray but the rest of the year you're crazy if you've never been to see at the pole go right and so like it's just whole whole movement and we're like why doesn't it matter and I just think it, I, here's what I know if we were better at this here, here's what I know if we were better at becoming witnesses and other people being able to see Christ the church buildings that we have wouldn't be able to hold all the people that were coming to Jesus the, prob- the problem's not the message. The problem is the workers. That's what the Bible says. So I want to teach you this because this is significant because oftentimes we come at changing the world from the wrong, from the wrong perspective and the wrong, you know, beginning, starting ground, and, and we totally miss the mark. And, and I think for me, and I hope for you, at the end of your life, I want my life to matter. And here's the thing about it. None of this does. None, this is not... this. At the end of my life, when I'm done this, this is my realization you do something different. I'm going to give the keys to some young whippersnapper and I'm going to walk away. And this is not going to be, it, this can't be the most significant thing about my life. The most significant thing about my life happens outside of these doors. So I want, to show, I want to show you this. And what I call this message is witness protection. I couldn't think of another name, and I thought it was creative. And the Bible says this in Acts 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, he says. You will go and tell people about me. In other words, you personally make a decision to follow Christ, and then you agree to publicly put your life on the line it's not a personal thing. I'm going to publicly live my life for Jesus Christ. Let me just give you a few thoughts that I think are important. Number one, witness protection. You need to remember this. A witness for Christ engaged in everyday life has a far greater impact on this world than a talented preacher or performer or whatever you want to say in passion on a stage ever will. I'm going to tell you when I found this out because here's how God works. People reaching people. Did you know that? P- people reaching people that is always how the lord works he sends people into the into the world and people reach people and i had this realization years and years ago it was 2009 and uh, our church was new and it was just starting to, to to grow and we had this season in our church where we grew from 300 to 400 people in about a month and a half and i remember like it was yesterday because we added a service and we had a third our third service was the wild service and so if you ever want to be part of the wild service come to 11:45 service people are crazy right and so and we had this service. It was, it, was, it, was, it was 11 o'clock or something like that. And, and our, our, our auditorium, there was about 150 seats. There was a middle section like this. And then on each side, there was five or four rows uh, of, of chairs or four, four in the aisle of 10 rows. So 40 chairs, something like that. And uh, I remember third service, this, 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 this section started filling up with people that you could tell did not come from church. You know what I'm talking about? And so I could just tell, and it was amazing, and they started coming. And as a 28, 29, 30-year-old, you know what I started doing? I must be killing it and preaching. Killing it! Like these people are coming. They're, they're they're every week more and more coming. They were coming so much they started to take over that whole section and they started to come into the middle section, the church people section. It was wild, right? And you could just see people. They were just kind of taking over. And I was just thinking to myself, they're probably coming because of the sermon series that I'm preaching and because the points that I'm saying. And man, I must be killing it because we're growing so fast. And I I even I told I told the church I said I had I, at that point I had I had a book a book deal I was working on like not really but in my head I was like I'm gonna write a book on church growth and preaching and all this other stuff and i remember one day you ever have a moment in your life where god says you are an absolute idiot <laughs> it happens all the time to me and so i asked one somebody I, at the church i saw him there i was like hey i, I was like hey you become a church for a few weeks i was like i was like uh, you know one of those leading questions i was like why are you coming i come because of me right and like I, you know, I was waiting for them to say something about my preaching and they said actually they said they brought this couple they said here here's a uh, so-and-so and uh, they were addicts. And, uh something happened in their life and they started coming to church and we started hearing about it. But on top of coming to church, they do this picnic after church every Sunday where we go to their house and we talk about church and we talk about the Lord and we eat together. And they started inviting people. And so we came a few months ago or a month or whatever ago because of them. And then because the Lord started changing us, we invited these people who I also thought were there because of my preaching. And they not once said that. And then the God even humbled me more because then I started realizing nobody was there for me at all. And it was a, it was a moment where I fully embraced that because I looked out one Sunday and I was preaching and some of the people who were there that were coming you know just at the very beginning time they were in the front row sleeping during my message (laughs) and I quickly realized this is not the most important thing I do if this is the most important thing I do I'm in trouble the most significant thing that you do with your life does not happen in church but please please hear me this because we